G'day, this is Dom Harvey from The Edge Breakfast Show, and you're listening to The Kiwi Running Show. and welcome to another episode of the Kiwi Running Show brought to you by Tempo Fit. My name is Hayden Sherman and once again this time we are without Hamish Meacham. Um, this time it's my fault because I'm away. Um, so the interviews we're doing today have been pre-recorded and I'm just going to fill you in with a little bit of the news that's been happening um, over the weekend. Um, another another busy weekend of running. Um, man, there's always so much news to catch up on. So coming up on the show we're going to speak to John. Uh, Joseph Miller and Andrew Matsuoka Weber, and they are two of top uh, two of New Zealand's top sprinters. So Joseph Miller, in particular, he's number three all time in New Zealand over a hundred meters. So that is a big deal. Yeah, um, third fastest Kiwi ever. Um, so yeah, Hamish sat down with those two and had a really good chat about what they're doing training wise, what their goals are, and also a little bit of discussion about, um, about competing against runners with prosthetic, uh, prosthetic limbs and, and what kind of what that means, obviously with Liam Malone being their top competition really over the 200 and 400 in New Zealand so uh, really cool to hear their thoughts and see what's coming up in the sprint world because it is starting to heat up on the athletics tracks around the country Um, and then our other interview is with actually a friend of uh, a family friend of me and Charlotte's um, Mike Wilkinson he's a a top bloke anyone who knows Mike will all know that he's he's worth his weight in gold and and then some um but he he's got quite an incredible story of coming back from a very full-on bike crash um we're talking brain injuries learning to walk um coming back he he was just a few weeks out from doing the Ironman and he came back after that injury took him you know, years to rehabilitate and completed the Ironman and is still running strong. Um, and he's actually, him and his partner Sally have moved over to China trying to set up life over there. And so he shares uh, stories of being a, a Kiwi traveler um, running and exploring the world running in, in crazy places like Shanghai. And uh, yeah, so two really cool interviews coming up. But before we get to that, we need to cover off all the news that's been happening around the country. So, first of all, down in Christchurch, we had a trail race uh, called the Boulder Bay Classic, um, and it's a 10.5k trail race, and Chris Dunnell took out the men's race in just under 40 minutes, 39.49, and the ladies' race was won by Liliana Braun, I hope I've pronounced your name right there, um, and she won in 45.28. if we skip over to the athletics, and like we've been saying, the the start of the athletic season is usually dominated by high school athletes getting ready for for high school. But the big of uh, uh, the big news from from the world of athletics comes again from pole vault, and uh, it, you may remember last week Olivia McTaggart came really close to breaking the under seventeen national record held by the one and only Eliza McCartney. So. This is really cool because she came back this weekend and smashed the the record by um, 11 centimetres. So she jumped 422, uh, 4 metres 22 to be, I think that makes her, um, just looking at the stats, it puts her in the top eight in New Zealand this year, including men. So... That's that's pretty incredible. And she's a junior, um, and she's in the top eight, all across across all uh, all categories in the pole vault. So, well done, Olivia. That's really exciting stuff. So four twenty two compares to Eliza McCartney's New Zealand record of four point eight meters. Um, yeah, so very exciting stuff. And I was looking through the the, the kind of the current lists and standings for the pole vault and there's a lot of PBs, a lot of people who are making their mark on it. So it is the exciting sport at the moment and I'm sure over the summer we're going to see a lot of action from the pole vault. Um, yeah, so if you're near an athletics meet and you hear that the pole vault's going to be on, get down there because it is great fun to watch it. 
Moving on to other athletics news around the country. So we had, um, I'm just sort of sifting through the, the standout results. And there's a lot of other standout results in the field events. Um, but again, it, it's kind of hard to cover them all off. Um, so we're just going to focus more on the running. So we had Daniel Hoy pop out a really good 1500 meters in 354 and a couple of guys quite close behind him. Um, and then Theo Quacks did an 8.43, and I think that was down in Hamilton. Um, at that same event, Joseph Miller actually opened up his season with a 10.51 uh, for the uh, for the 100 metres. Um, sorry, and, and I don't know if I mentioned as well, Daniel Hoy was doing the 1500 metres in 3.54, and Theo Quacks was in the 3K 8.43. Then we had Hannah O'Connor in the 3K. She ran 9.31. And I think that was down in Wanganui off the, off the top of my head. I don't have the results in front of me at the moment. Uh, but then Jack Beaumont down south in Dunedin did a really quick 15.02. So um, coming back from, from the mountain champs, getting onto the flat stuff and looking pretty speedy. So that's what's been happening mostly in the, the junior world in athletics, but... I wanted to recap as well from the World Masters Athletics Champs, which are over in Perth, uh, not this weekend gone, but the the weekend before and the week following. So we'll go through the gold medal winners from New Zealand, and there's there's quite a few different events, so kind of bear with me. But to start off, as we mentioned, Sally Gibbs in the women's 50 and over in the 10K, she ran 36.35. Then we had... Dennis Wiley in the men's 60 and over in the 10K, and he ran 39.41. Then we had Ian Calder uh, winning the men's 55-800, running 2.15 uh, for the 800. And then Mike Parker winning the men's 65K in 25.39. We had Klasina van der Wieken winning the women's 85 and over uh, hammer throw, 17.29, which was a New Zealand record. I can't imagine many 85-year-olds <laughs> or over have thrown the hammer throw, but there we go. And um, she also did the triple jump. Now, I can't imagine someone um, 85 or over even doing the triple jump. When you look at it in slow-mo, it looks like your shins are about to snap, but that is incredible. She did 3 metres 87 for winning the triple jump, and then David Anstice, uh, the men's 70, did the decathlon, which is another feat all in itself, just a completed decathlon, coming away with 5,716 points. And then we had Ron Robertson uh, winning the men's 75 8K cross-country in 35 minutes, which means he was running, what, about... 420 something per K cross country and he's 75 years or older so that's phenomenal. Margie Pete winning the women's 68K cross country in 34.35. I'm pretty sure that won't be an 8K. That seems very very quick. I'd need to just double check that results. I'm pretty sure it might be a 5K or a 6K anyway. We can check that out. Mark Cumming winning the men's 50 hammer throw in 54 metres. Awesome. So well done to everyone who went over there and competed. Um, and like I say, I really encourage everyone to, uh, to who is over 35 to think about entering Masters Games because it is fun. You know, you can relive those days of school athletics and um, yeah, and it's not as competitive and as scary as you might think. So pop on down to your local athletics track. Now, in marathon news, we had the fielding marathon at the weekend. So kind of two two marathons, polar, polar opposites. But the fielding marathon has a lot of heritage. I think it's one of the longest running marathons in the world. Um, I could go back and while we're going through results, try and dig that, dig that exact stat out. But... Um, we had Carl Leffen take out the win in 3 hours 19, and then Manuela Heights winning in 3.37 for the 
females. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, in the marathon world, we had the New York Marathon, which is obviously one of the big major marathons in the world. Um, and we had a whole bunch of Kiwis. So looking at the results, there was 236 people who said they had come from from New Zealand. I had a couple of um, our Tempo Fit runners running over there, which was really cool. It's always awesome to see them in the results. So uh, looking at the results, first of all, well done, Michelle Paul, and I've got to give you a shout out for that PB of 3.33. Really, uh, really stellar run. Um, but looking at the, the wins, um, as far as the Kiwis go, so Ryan Willey actually took out the win. Um, and he ran 2.41, so he's originally from Wellington. I think nowadays he lives over in the States. Uh, yeah, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but he's um, he went out flying, so he was through 17 minutes at 5K, so that's well under 2.30 pace, so we're talking, oh, I don't know, about 2.25 pace he went out on. Went through halfway at 1.13, so yeah, he was on track for 2.26, and then proceeded to hit the wall, not sure, sure what happened, but his 5k split sl slowed from kind of 17 to 18 minutes to 20 minutes for 30 to 35k, and then 25 minutes for 35 to 40k, and then I'm not sure how fast that last 2k was, but I imagine it was pretty painful, um, but Never mind, he ran 241 and picked up the win as far as the Kiwis are concerned, and that put him in 116th place overall. Um, and then looking down the ladies, Erin um, Tolhurst was the fastest Kiwi over in New York, so 313, um, and she went through in 135, so paced it pretty well. Um, awesome, yeah. So well done, everyone, for for racing at the weekend. And we are going to jump straight over to Joseph Miller, the third fastest Kiwi ever, and Andrew Matsuoka Weber. So I'm here at the AUT Millennium, the Millennium Institute of Sport and Health, with Andrew Matsuoka Weber and Joseph Miller, two of New Zealand's top 100 metre runners. Andrew, give us that last name again, tell us it properly. Matsuoka Weber. Matsuoka Weber and Joseph Miller. So you guys obviously, uh, you're here doing a bit of training, heading into the track season. Can you tell us, starting with you, Joseph, what training phase are you in right now and what are your plans in the coming weeks and months? Okay, so I'm just gearing up to get ready for, for the season. Um, won't start my season until a bit later this time around since I spent a bit of time in London racing over the winter. Um, but come January hoping to be able to spit out some good times and take it from there through to um, <clears throat> the New Zealand champs and Australian champs also. Yeah and so over the past few years you've been you know either on top or one of the top sprinters here in New Zealand so when you talk about good times can you just you know for the listeners what's your best and and what are you thinking is realistic for this season? Um, so my best times are 10.32 for the 100 metres and 20.77 for the 200. Um, being able to get back to those times is, I guess, the, the, first, you know, the first mark. But then um, going beyond that is what I'm looking to do this season. And um, from what I've learnt over the past year, year and a half, um, from the new stuff that I had done with my coach, um, up here Paul Gamble and the stuff that I learnt overseas from um, the London squads with their sub 10 runners um, I think I've got a very good chance of uh, blowing my PBs away and doing something pretty cool Right on, that sounds pretty exciting and so Andrew what about yourself Do you tell, tell us a little about yourself your, your best times and, and what your hopes are for this season So um, not as fast as Jojo but 100 metres, 11.32 and 200 to 21.8. Um, right now, still in off-season training, going into pre-competition training. My coach is James Mortimer from Auckland. Uh, this off-season, concentrated on a lot more lower leg conditioning, just hitting the track, listening for a good sound and contact, and working on more front-engine drive rather than my rear-engine drive. So, concentrated more on my hip flexor strength. Um, try to get more stability through my glute max, glute med. Um, hopefully this season can run a couple of PBs or 
try and become the Kim Collins of New Zealand by running PBs when I'm over 35, which yeah. will be a bit of a shocker. I like it. I like it a lot. And it's cool. Uh, you know, a lot of our listeners would have just gone, what the hell is he talking about? Backside mechanics and frontside mechanics. But I guess that kind of illustrates that sprinting, you know, a lot of people think running is, is this simple sport. We go left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, and, and we're overcomplicating it. But you guys, you know, you really break it down in terms of technique to get the most out of yourself. Now, for yourself, Joseph, you, you, you were the fastest kid in school. You were the fastest kid in New Zealand. How important has that technical development been for you over the past couple of years? Um, <clears throat> my technique's been really uh, a really important element. It's um, not only what's helped me to you know, win races, it's also allowed me to continue to improve. A lot of people go along to the track each time and think, okay, if I just push myself um, and basically torture, torture their bodies, um, they'll get stronger and faster, which they will to a degree, but <clears throat> being being technically sound is going to raise raise the ceiling um, somewhat so you can use more of what you've already got yeah. so you can go into the gym um, get strong go on the track and learn to to run fast but a lot of people aren't able to be as efficient with their talents that they've already got whereas I feel that I'm probably more efficient and that's why yeah. I win races and it's also what helps me to continue to improve because as I do I, I can use more of more of what I've got yeah good answer so look you guys must be excited about this season and Andrew you, you training with James Morty Mortimer you would have done a fair bit of training with Liam Malone oh, Legolas, yeah. yeah yeah so look you know we've talked about him quite a bit on the show and the New Zealand public have you know have been captured by his achievements in Rio are you guys looking forward to kind of lining up against him over the summer? Is that exciting for you, and do you think it'll add to the sport? Yeah, running against Liam's always good. Um, he he uses quite a lot of flex of drive, keeping his legs out in front, since he doesn't have that lower leg mechanic to worry about. Um, it's just nice to have someone who can actually pull you through races. Yeah. So um, it's it's good always having someone there who is running at their best. Um, who can really just pull you along and really push you to get to faster times yeah so and for you joseph like you guys are, your times are pretty close so you'll be faster over 200 and 100 you don't run many 400s you you have run some 400s though right yeah i've um in the past i've, I've run a couple just just for a bit of fun yeah um but yeah, more more of a 200, 100 guy, and our times are quite close in the two. Yeah. So are you are you kind of up for it and uh, expecting a few good races? I'm hoping you're both going to be at the classics and kind of meeting head to head a few times. Would I mean is that you looking forward to that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm um, yeah. I've had a lot of people ask me questions about it ever since he he ran at the um, Paralympics. Um, a lot of the questions asking, you know, did I think it was fair that he raced against us and um, is that something I'd look forward to doing? And to be honest, I don't think fair even comes into it. Um, like, he's you know, he, he's a fast guy and he deserves to, to race against us. He's put in the work to get there. Yeah. Um, I don't think, you know, it's it's a different it's a different event that's over the same same distance. Um, you right. know, and you know, basically, you know, if you want to be the fastest, beat everyone no matter what. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's always been my yeah. my view. If you're older, younger, beat them. Excellent. Well, I um, really do wish you guys the best of luck for the upcoming season. Now, if anyone wants to um, jump on board and follow your progress, your social media, do you have, you know, where can fans check out uh, your information? Andrew, are you keeping a low profile or... I basically only have an Instagram account now. I don't yeah. even have Facebook or Snapchat. Yeah. Watch your Instagram if people want to check it out. New Zealand Speed. New Zealand Speed, I like that. And Joseph, I, I see you're just uh, doing some research as to what your <laughs> what your Twitter handle is and all that. So where can people uh, follow your progress if they want to keep up with uh, New Zealand's fastest man w with with leagues? <laughs> um, so I've got a I've got a Facebook page which I need to keep updated a bit better, but that's um, just Joseph Miller. And I've got um, Joe Sane NZ on Instagram, which you can 
keep up with on there too. Cool. Excellent, guys. Thanks for your time and best of luck for the season. All right, so two of our fastest Kiwis on the track. Really cool to hear what's happening uh, in the sprint world. And far out, if, if I could... If I could change my athletic career and be a 100-meter sprinter, I think I would take it. It would be a whole lot of fun. I imagine a, you'd be a bundle of nerves before every race, but talk about like your race being over in 10 seconds. That, that's got to be pretty cool. No hitting the wall in, in the 100 meters. Um, now, if you're listening to this show, chances are you're a runner, and chances are if you're a runner, you've probably been injured before and know the anxiety and depression and craziness that comes when you're unable to use your body in the way that you'd want to. Now, for most of us, those injuries are muscular, they're uh, tendons, soft tissue stuff that generally heals itself pretty well. Our body's pretty good at getting back to back to normal. Often just rest does the trick. But imagine instead of muscles being injured, it's actually your brain. You've got a brain injury and that connection between your brain and what you want your body to do is missing and you need to retrain your ability to coordinate all your limbs and get them moving in the right directions and the right ways that you would like it to. So this is what happened with Mike, Mike Wilkinson just a couple of weeks before he competed in the New Zealand Ironman. And he was hit off a off his bike by a car and suffered pretty full-on brain injury. And the amazing story is that he stayed positive and came back from it and went on to complete the marathon after that. So we're going to transition over to this story uh, with Mike as I said before, he's an absolute top bloke. You, I think you'll really enjoy this this chat we had with him, um, and also hearing about his his recovery back to running, but also how he's using r- running now that he's living in in a crazy part of the world over in Shanghai and China, and um, how running is just being this awesome vehicle for getting to know know the locals and getting to see the countryside. So let's transition over to Mike Wilkinson. So with me on the phone here, I have Mike Wilkinson, who's a, a friend of mine from from Auckland. Well, originally from Wellington, I should say. Um, and Mike and his partner Sally have, have ventured over to China. They're living in Shanghai. And they've been getting up to a fair bit of running. Obviously, Shanghai is not known for its, its running environments, but they are doing their best to keep their running going and having a bit of a ball of it by the sound. So welcome to the show, Mike. Oh, thanks for having me on board, Hayden. Yeah, oh, great, great to chat, um, and glad you got through the the Chinese firewall, <laughs> um, and can actually speak to us. So, um, Mike, tell us a, a little bit about. Um, we'll start with why why the heck you're in China at the moment, and um, and then we'll hear about your your running background and your running adventures over <laughs> there in China. Uh, um, the reasons for, for coming to China, the key reason really was um, uh, most Kiwis when they're in their 20s do an OE yeah. and uh, uh, we might get into the reasons why I missed out on that later in the season. <laughs> but yeah. um, I was always conscious that I, I hadn't worked overseas and yeah. um, my, my partner Sally said to me, uh, we've got to go traveling, if, otherwise you're not going to do this, yeah. we'll just get too far on in our lives. <laughs> and so. Um, we, we could have gone to London and just done the, the normal standard London thing, which many yeah. Kiwis do and have a great time over there, of course. But um, uh, we wanted to, to live life a bit more, um, a bit more crazily. And yeah. so we decided to come to Shanghai. Yeah, that's cool. And Sally's from um, the UK originally. So I guess it, you've sort of met halfway in the middle, pick the globe and yeah. um, <laughs> pick a point somewhere in between the two points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, uh, there, there are other factors about reasons why uh, why we were to come to China, but it certainly is a bit of a halfway point between New Zealand and England. Yeah. Uh, the other reasons are that China sort of feels like it's really on the up. Yeah. And um, uh, it's going to be very, very important to the world's future, especially New Zealand's future. And so we wanted to come and just sort of learn more about the place. Yeah, cool. It's been, been fantastic being here. Awesome. And like we do hear that it's on the up and up. 
Um, but you being on the ground, you'd have a better taste for it. Like, is it is everyone on the up and up, or is it more just the upper class business owner type people, or, or is uh, China is a yeah, a place of contrasts. Yeah. Certainly, there are there are segments of society that are doing phenomenally well. Yeah. And can walk down the road and see people driving past in their Porsches. You can walk into some of the flash malls. Yep. And uh, just see see incredible wealth. It's just uh, amazingly rich, even by 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 Western countries standards, not just New Zealand yeah. standards. Wow. And uh, but then uh, there are also people that uh, are doing having much more trouble with with life. And um, yeah, uh, you, yeah, you, you see a little bit of that um, as an expat. We we spend most of our time in central Shanghai, but. Um, there are people that uh, that do quite menial jobs that you see a lot of, and they have to travel sort of an hour or two hours even on the tube each day just to get to work wow. because property prices in the central city are so are so massive. Yeah, yeah. So and that was um, going to be my my next question actually. Like um, Auckland property crisis is bad enough, but I bet um, your apartment's not not much um, bigger than your place in Auckland. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, our current apartment is, uh, is certainly certainly the, the smaller end of the scale of where Sally and I have lived in our in our time. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, we we actually really like it. It's um, it's just fifty square meters, and you, yeah. you have um, very you're very efficient at living. You don't keep anything. You, exactly. Um, yeah. You don't you don't really have to, to to do much cleaning or pay for pay for much heating or anything. It's, yeah. Uh, it's very simple living. Yeah, awesome. Now, um, tell us about your your running background. Um, I, I know that you had a bit of a background in, in martial arts um, when you were when you're younger. But yeah, when when did you find this running thing, and how did it kind of stick? Yeah, well, I, I wasn't really a runner all the way through school, and martial arts only came along when I went to university. But yeah. um, I used to play a bit of water polo at school, but it wasn't very sporty. Otherwise, I had friends who were much more sporty, and I sort of left them to it. Yeah. Um, I, when I went to university, I'm not a big guy, and I started doing martial arts um, with the notion that um, I, I should learn a bit of that. And, um, uh, <laughs> and I is that to... because you were living in Wellington? <laughs> Did that have, <laughs> have anything to do with it? <laughs> I was in Christchurch at the time. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh that explains it. Can be a bit rough. <laughs> But um, yeah, the um, the uh, to to sort of do the gradings for martial arts, I needed to improve my fitness, and um, yeah. I've always sort of dabbled in the running. Um, but um, I, I sort of started doing a, doing more rigorous running, and um, yeah, really loved it. And uh, after at the end of my university days, I shifted from Christchurch to Auckland, and, and I think the secret to martial arts is having a good sensei, a sensei, a teacher that you respect and like. Yep. When I moved to Auckland, but I didn't, I, I didn't easily manage to find one, so I sort of dropped away on the martial arts and um, kept running. Yeah, cool. And, uh, just, just ran more and more, and um, yeah, I, um, I got into triathlons, and um, yeah, everything apart from there, really. Awesome, and um, yeah, so the the triathlons kind of took over, and you started um, training for the Ironman. Yeah, that's right. I um, I had a, a very full-on job early in my career, and um, I did that for a couple of years. But um, yeah. decided to move to move on uh, after that. And um, the, the next job I took was not nearly so pressured, or, or the workload wasn't nearly as high. And I suddenly found I had all this time on my hands, and I didn't <laughs> what to do with myself. And I uh, thought, oh, I should do something big like Iron Man. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And it just was very easy to to replace work with with training. And um, awesome, I, I mean, it's a bit of a crazy thing to do when you when you haven't really when you're not really that sporty um, to begin with. But um, yeah, big things are cool, and um, yeah. it's uh, certainly a, certainly a big thing to try and do. Yeah. Now, um, from what I understand, your training was going pretty well, but then hit a pretty major. Major hurdle before the race? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it was going really well, and, and I was having a great time doing it. Um, but uh, about two weeks before the race, uh, a friend and I were just doing a, a taper ride. Uh, we were riding in central Auckland, and um, a van coming up up the road towards us was indicating to go into an intersection on on our left, and um, 
he didn't. We were going straight through the intersection. He didn't give way, oh, and um, we were about uh, ten meters away, and he just drove drove across our path. And um, I was on the left and had nowhere to go, and sort of crashed into him at thirty-five uh, k's an hour or so. Wow! And uh, it, it was a life-changing event, shall yeah. we say? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Man, and uh, so that that put you in in hospital for for how long were you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we were. Um, yeah. I, so this was two weeks before the Ironman. I was in um, in the A and E and the high dependency unit in Auckland Hospital for for about a month. I was still in wow. a coma when Ironman uh, when Ironman took place. Really. Um, no, I was in um, sort of moved down to my my family is from Wellington, as you mentioned. Moved down to Wellington in, in a head injury rehab unit down there for another six months. Oh uh, man! The uh, yeah, brain injuries don't always do this, but yep. so I had I got a severe brain injury from the um, from the accident, and um, brain injuries don't always do this, but um, mine uh, sort of ruined all the connections between my brain and my core. Yeah, and so I really need, had to learn how you learn everything physical mainly. Um, yep. Yeah, including including how to walk, which um, wow. well, it's an effort. But um, I, well, no, they they never try and predict outcomes with brain injury because the brain injuries, everyone is different. Yeah, know? yeah, I bet. It's like a fingerprint, they say. So um, yeah, I was never told that I wouldn't be able to run again or do do anything like that. So I just set about just trying to do it all again. And um, yeah. Yeah, key goal. Key goal was to do Ironman, which I missed out on, but I really absolutely wow. wanted to get back to. And so I just sort of set about, um, yeah, aiming to get back there. Yeah, and how long did it take before you ran your your first steps after the accident? Uh, well, I don't remember. I don't think running was too much after walking, but um, okay. my first walk. Um, well, I can't remember, sorry, but my first walk was, um, my accident was on the 20th of February. My first walk was on the um, 4th of July, my independence wow. day. Yeah, oh, and, that, uh, that's a pretty special day then. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it was a good day. Yeah, wow. And um, so after that, how, how long did it kind of take to get back into regular running and regular training? Because I know that Dream was still alive to do the Ironman. Yeah, yeah. The um, uh, it was a, a very much a progression. No, I I uh, didn't. I was running again, properly running again, um, uh, in under under a year. I wow, think, that's amazing. But um, it wasn't pretty, <laughs> and uh, I, I had a lot of work to do on it. Um, uh, brain injuries uh, do yeah, they do stuff you up, and um, uh, I had to get some pretty pretty serious physiotherapy to help me run properly again. Wow. Um, yeah. And and even then, it was just a long process. So um, I, I I see myself as fairly lucky because uh, there wasn't anything that ever really stopped me. Um, yep. I had a very supportive family and a network of friends. Um, and it just took it just took a long long time to get to get back there. So between my accident and finally doing Ironman again was five years. Wow! Wow! That's that's incredible. And so you uh, you completed Ironman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I wouldn't say it was very pretty, but um, <laughs> I don't really care. I, I finished it. Um, uh, before my accident, my goal had been to do it in, in sub eleven hours, yeah, and, which is a, a fairly good pace for for a weekend warrior. Absolutely. Um, yeah. As it turned out, I, I didn't have a. I was expecting to do it in under twelve hours before the event after my accident, but. Yep. Um, I got sick on the the run. I um, oh no, that, that added to my time somewhat. So I did a bit less than thirteen hours, and as I say, it wasn't pretty, but um, I don't really care. I finished. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's still a really amazing effort though to come back um, and overcome all those obstacles. Um, and I think the the thing that stands out for me, like whenever I've talked to you about it, you you're just so so positive, and it seems like I mean I'm sure there must have been moments of doubt, but from the outside, it seems like you just were so so driven and clear that you could get back to it. 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of it was just uh, feeling lucky because um, my, yeah. my accident uh, could have and should have really um, ended things for me, and, and it didn't. Um, I, I was still there, I was still doing stuff, still battling, and so uh, there, there were, of course, there are, there are dark moments where you wonder what the hell you're doing with yourself, but um, yeah. you get that always in life, <laughs> and um, I just felt lucky to still be, still be around doing it, so um yeah, it, it was a setback, but how people have worse than setbacks, it could have been worse. Yeah, oh, well, it's it's a really cool attitude. Um, and, and obviously since then, you've, you and Sally have been avid runners, um, and um, you, you trained with us um, at Tempo Fit for a, for a couple of years before heading yeah, out. Yeah, we were very lucky, lucky that, uh, that you had us on board, and it was a great experience. Oh, you guys were great supporters of what we were doing, so... Yeah, that's that's really cool. And so, over in China, I mean, I I've spent about forty eight hours in Shanghai and tried to go for a run. Um, it was sort of spent <laughs> dodging um, morning Tai Chi classes and out of control traffic and making sure I don't step on a pile of fish outside a shop or something. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, what what's the what's the running like over there? Uh, in Shanghai, oh, it's quite different. So, so I grew up in Wellington, and there are so many hills around, and so many places for you to get out of the city. Yeah. And um, uh, in Shanghai, uh, it is very different to that. There are people everywhere, yeah. and um, and it's yeah, you don't get away from that, no matter the time of day or night, really. Um, the running is lots of city running, and in Shanghai itself, it's quite flat. So there's only really um, uh, we've only run one up up one hill in Shanghai, um, <laughs> but um, uh, the yeah the running the running is is, is pretty good. Lots of, there are lots lots of parks around, and those are, are, are often worth running to and running through and and, and stuff. But they're um, they're very well used. As I mentioned, the um, there's lots of people in Shanghai, and in contrast to parks in New Zealand. Any t- time of day or night that you go into a park in Shanghai, there'll be people doing stuff, doing Tai Chi, as you mentioned, yeah. flying kites, um, walking their dogs, learning to dance, doing <laughs> doing all sorts of things, and um, that's exciting to see. It's um, yeah, running is uh, a um, yeah, you certainly you certainly get you around the place fast and allows you to see stuff that you wouldn't otherwise. Awesome, yeah, yeah, that's so true. And the air quality, air quality, is that okay? Um, it's the air quality and pollution more generally are, um, are a concern. Um, yeah. Everyone, uh, most uh, foreigners use an app which um, hooks into um, uh, air sampling uh, equipment really? at the wow. consulate. There is um, quite a few government... Um, government uh, sampling places around, but no one really trusts them. Um, uh, the, the the US consulate in Beijing and Shanghai uh, records every hour an AQI, Air Quality Index. Oh, yeah. nice. This is a number between zero and 500. Um, yep. If it goes over 200, it's really not healthy. And yep. um, uh, if it goes over um, 150, um, that's around the time that we we think we'd we'll skip a run. It's just just not very comfortable going running. Sure. And it's, um, uh, Sally can run with a face mask on. Um, wow. <laughs> I and she does the barefoot is looking like it's going to get over one fifty. Yeah. Unfortunately, I sweat too much when I run, and so a um, a face mask just becomes clogged up with with sweat for me. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't breathe, so it's not really an option for me. Yeah, a um, form but, of extreme altitude training. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, hypoxic yeah. training is something you do in swimming, not yeah. normally. In yeah, yeah. But um, the um, yeah, the uh, it's it's pretty rare uh, that it gets over one fifty. The the Chinese authorities have been uh, sort of. Uh, cracking down on polluting factories around the place and um, appear to have been doing so quite successfully. Um, cool. Shanghai is better than Beijing, uh, but I just before the part of this interview, I checked the um, the measurements uh, over the last month and there's only been 
a couple of hours over the last month where the air quality has been worse than 150. Oh, and wow. even then, it was, only, it was only like two hours and then dropped again. So um, it's really, it's not often bad. Uh, people, uh, in winter, it's, we're just coming into winter here now, and in wintertime, it's, it's a bit worse than it is in the rest of the year, we're told. But yeah. um, it's, it's not really not that bad. It doesn't really hold you back from running and um, oh. um, yeah, certainly most of the time. Yeah, I think we've definitely got it good here in New Zealand with... With the wind coming straight off the Southern Ocean, keeping the, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. air nice and fresh and clean. Um, now, tell us a bit about the running community over there, because what Shanghai's got fourteen million people, something ridiculous like that. Um, <laughs> in Greater Shanghai is actually the the population of Australia, about twenty five million <laughs> in one city. But I can't, in, um, can't even yeah, a few less in the, the century area. Yeah. Uh, running is running is becoming uh, remarkably more popular uh, oh. in China amongst the Chinese. But um, the more established groups uh, of runners, uh, we're we're finding are the ones that are easier easiest for us to reach um, uh, are generally run by foreigners. And there's a, a couple of really good groups around. They're um, of course, we're accepting of whoever wants to come running, uh, be they Chinese or foreigner. Yeah. And uh, running is a um, yeah, running is a, a fantastic equalizer of people. You you generally end up only with uh, or there are plenty of um, when you meet a runner, the, the likelihood is that they're a good person, yeah. and that's the same whether or not they're Chinese or or whatever other nationality. So running is a, a great way to meet people, and we've. Um, Found that a couple of the running groups we've got involved with here have just been um, fantastic for for sort of establishing ourselves in the community and um, giving information about running and, uh, and and finding out more about the city. Awesome, um, yeah. It's hard to beat running, really. Yeah, oh, it, it is such a good, great way to meet people and to see the mm-hmm. see the countryside. And like you say, there is something about going for a run that makes you a better person. Not. Not, not in a sort of egotistical way, but just, a, yeah. I don't know, maybe that um, that confronting pain every day, something, <laughs> something uh, like I that. that. I'm not sure that it's running that makes you a better person, but it is the case that you've got to be someone who's willing to put up with a bit of pain to like running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that must be what sets you apart. Yeah, yeah it's probably, probably a bit of both or something. But mm. yeah, very cool. Now, um, yeah. You recently went off to a a, a race um, in China where you were were you you guys were special guests so uh, kind of yeah the um, yeah. so through this uh, one group of of experts uh, that we run with a group called Runners High yep. High is in Shanghai uh-huh. they um, we we found out about a race uh, which is called an international it was a half marathon international half marathon and because they call themselves international. They have to have a certain number of foreigners turn up to be international, <laughs> yeah. and um, so they were. They had big, big prize money on offer for the the top races, um, uh, and they were also willing to pay for people like Sally and I to travel from Shanghai to a little town in um, uh, Yunnan province called um, uh, Shuifu, uh, yeah. which Yunnan province is on the border. Is the the one that's right in the south of China on the border with Vietnam and oh, Laos? Nice. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, we we got paid to to travel, or uh, we got our pay, uh, travel and accommodation paid for to travel across oh, and cool. uh, do do this half marathon, which was was a fantastic experience. Uh, we were very grateful to the organisers for for, for uh, putting us up and transporting us. Oh, it was that, really good. that is really cool and. Um, are the, uh, and what sort of differences are there between a race here in New Zealand and one over in China? I'm guessing the the kilometre splits are in Mandarin or something tricky like uh, that. Uh, the Chinese are pretty good at, uh, especially in things like sports, they're using um, yeah, alphanumeric or Roman numbers. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's not a concern. The... Um, uh, it's, it's also worth saying, I think, that just just how the sport of running is changing in China. So, um, uh, for this interview, I looked up, and there were um, about fifty ten uh, k half marathon or marathon races in China in two thousand and fourteen, 
and this year there's uh, expected to be over 200. Wow. Um, so, um, so a quadrupling of races uh, in, in two years is, is really stunning. Uh, and that's, that's very consistent with other measures of uh, society in China that um, lots of things happening are, 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 yeah, are changing fast, increasing fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, the, the run is, the town of Shreifu is uh, tiny by Chinese standards. It has just 100,000 um, uh, people, <laughs> but it's next to a, uh, it's pretty close to a, a town which, um, has the population of New Zealand within it, it's about four and a half people. And so um, there were, were, we thought about 3,000 or 4,000 people doing this this run that we we, we attended. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, lots of support, lots of people on the on the sidewalks cheering you on. And, um, awesome. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was an amazing experience to be part of. Yeah, oh, that's, that's very cool. And recommendations for if anyone's keen to kind of look into going over to China or, or anywhere in Asia to race, like we usually head off to America or Europe um, yeah. as Kiwis, but um, any tips for people who might want to jump on a plane and, and hunt out some of these races? <clears throat> I, I think there's a lot, there's a, there's an awful amount of potential um, there. The, uh, for instance, this race in Shuifu, uh, we heard that it was paying um, ten thousand US dollars price money, so um, yeah. there was a, a lot of very serious, oh, not a lot, about um, ten very serious races of guys and girls um, uh, who, who were running it at the top level, and um, yeah. the two uh, Ethiopian uh, male and female won their respective races in times that were only about. Um, Four or five minutes off the world records. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, depending on depending on what you do, you, you can expect um, some. Uh, so this is a this is a tiny race. Yeah. Um, in China standards, but there was really really serious guys doing it. So, um, I, I'm not really sure about other Asian countries whether they're quite uh, showing showing something like that, uh, showing something like the growth that China is showing. Yeah. But. Um, I definitely think that uh, that Asia will 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 become more and more an important place for running. Yeah, um, absolutely. In terms of Kiwis looking to go overseas, um, I, I don't I don't I don't think I know enough to to say where you, where people might go. But uh, my one recommendation is wherever you go, find other runners as fast as you can because uh, you'll hear no matter what level of running you're involved. You're you're doing, you'll find out so much more by talking to other runners. And so, um, Sally and I found out uh, Sally and I found out about this race in Shreifu, um from this runners high group that we were involved with, and we wouldn't have otherwise found out about it. It just seems so incredible that um, that a race is willing to pay for a couple of foreigners to travel travel half a day to get there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, oh, it's incredible. That is cool. Um, and um, a lot of people may not realise, but the Auckland Marathon, which is just at the weekend, um, is yeah. actually uh, sort of owned by a Chinese billionaire um, who owns Ironman, and they purchased the Auckland Marathon a couple of years ago. So, um, really? Yeah. So, and that with uh, Queenstown Marathon and Hawke's Bay Marathon. So, it's interesting that, um, you know, you have Chinese billionaires seeing the value of these races overseas and... Um, purchasing these these big endurance organisations, probably with the thought that look, China's the next boom yeah. market. Once, once like we talked about before, like the um, once the middle class sort of starts emerging um, and people have that expendable time and income to do these activities, um, that yeah, you got to think sports like running and triathlon will, will start booming over there, like they have yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. That would be consistent. I mean, I, I hadn't heard that uh, that a Chinese person had brought brought those events, but uh, that's certainly consistent with, with what uh, Sally and I have seen here. It's running is running in, as you say, triathlon. Really, yeah. China, China's going to get back to these things. Um, yeah. The the Olympics just gone. China was a bit disappointed to to not come further up the rankings. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, when when it gets things right, it'll, it'll be uh, it'll be a phenomenal phenomenal country, I think. Uh, yeah. 
there, there may be some some more work to go. It's not about to get things right. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's, it's exciting, and uh, and certainly Sally and I are appreciating our time here, um, seeing a bit more of this place. Cool. And have you two got any races lined up? Um. Um, not really. Um, uh, so Sully's talking about doing another ultramarathon at some stage, but um, yeah. With, with my own running, I'm so I had this bad accident. Um, I've been prior to that. Um, I, I wasn't an amazing runner, but I wasn't um, hanging around. Uh, yeah. My my PB for for half marathon was um, just about under one hour twenty six. Yeah, and, nice. And um, I. I'm just sort of running, uh, running, continuing to run, really, at uh, this cool. stage. I, I'm not really focused on eventing, but um, yeah. I am noticing that my, my running, my strength and, and my ability to run well is improving. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that's good to hear. Sally and I do, um, uh, I occasionally come along to do some um, running once a week at a 400-meter track. and. Um, cool. Really starting to notice that uh, that my running is uh, is getting stronger, and so before my accident, I had a goal of doing a, a sub three hour marathon. And um, yeah. uh, much much as your as your other interviewer interviewee Dom had uh, has, yeah. Um, and uh, if if I feel my running is uh, is improving enough, I might uh, start sort of um, really starting to focus and train harder to to achieve that. But um, for now, um, I'm just happy just continuing to run, and uh, and as I mentioned, it brings you into contact with, with, with lots of other great people, and that's the, the key benefit and the key reason that I run. Yeah, right absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for joining the show, and I know that you're um, you're kind of on the hunt for uh, for some work over there. Sally's got some work hooked up, so... Little little bit of a shout out to anyone who might be listening that if you're looking for an economist based in Shanghai, um, Mike Wilkinson's your man. Um, but yeah, all, all the best with with your your adventures over there. Um, and um, thanks heaps for joining the show and sharing your your story. Great, thank you very much for having me on board, uh, Hayden. And uh, yeah, it's great work that you and Hamish are doing with this uh, this podcast. All the best with it. Yeah, legend. Thanks, mate. And we are back. Now, I promised that I'd look up the Fielding Marathon details and just see how many of them have been run. So uh, this year was actually its 62nd running of the Fielding Marathon, which is pretty phenomenal, really, when you think about it. And it's also, it's one of those cool, low-key races. It's run by the Fielding Mower Harriers. Um, it's something like sort of 60 or $70 to enter the marathon. So not too expensive when you compare it to some of the prices that we're seeing for, for races around the place. Um, and so, yeah, really cool. I, I would totally encourage people, if, if you want to do a marathon where you're not having to deal with the crowds, you can park right at the start line, um, you can just drop straight into a race, go and check out these sorts of races. They are very cool. So moving on, and today we're going to just finish off with a little training talk, just a really short one. And I wrote a blog recently for the Rotorua Marathon just about how to how to know when to run. And so things like illness, niggles, uh, general fatigue, just life busyness can get in the way. Sometimes it is wise to take a day off, a couple of days off, sometimes you need to just take a concrete pill and get through and get it done. So how do you tell the difference when when you're just being soft and when you actually need to take a break? So for illness, my, my kind of go-to, go and I'm kind of just talking about colds and flus here, obviously other illnesses, it's a whole can of worms. We could um, talk to a doctor about all manner of of conditions but for colds and flus my, my go-to rule is if it's just in your head like you've got a blocked nose bit of a headache um, bit stuffed up that that sort of thing a run can often be really good to just sort of clear that out um, I usually just make sure it's not super long and it's you're not going really hard so just a, a short to moderate length run usually I, I like just a 30 minute easy run and, and just kind of get the get things ticking over and then see how you feel after that maybe you can do another 30 minute run in the afternoon if you had say an hour on, on the cards um but yeah just testing it out that way is a really good good way of doing that 
But if the sickness is down in the chest and you're, you've got any sort of fever, that's when I call it quits. So don't even bother going out on the run. You will most likely just make it worse. So taking a couple of days off is a good plan if you have a fever. And also just throw into the mix the weather conditions. So like if you if you got a bit of a cold and it's pouring with rain and there's a southerly blowing and it's just pretty miserable to be outside it's probably not going to be a good idea to do that run but if it's nice clean um, clear skies and nice and warm then maybe running with a bit of a cold it could be a really good thing to get some fresh air flowing through so that's a few ideas for illnesses what about for injury and niggles so I like to use a pain scale, and this is a good habit to get into whenever whenever you're running, and just do a little scan of your body and see how things are going. Any good running coach will always tell you, even though they give you a running plan, the most important thing is to listen to your body and be in tune with your body, and this is the main way that I do this. So having a bit of a rating scale of your niggles, so rating them out of 10, one being okay, I'm aware of some sort of mild discomfort. 10 being, oh my gosh, I'm in, <laughs> I'm giving birth, that, that sort of pain. Not that I would have any idea what giving birth is like, but they tell me it's a little bit worse than man flu, which is pretty bad. So use that pain scale. Um, and as a, a, a little tip on how to use it, what I find if it's a, a kind of one out of three, uh, out, uh, one to three out of ten on the niggle scale, then, uh, but once you get going and it warms up and the pain sort of disappears, then that's probably not too bad. It shows there's probably some sort of chronic issue going on that needs addressing um, and it could be worth popping down to your physio and just uh, working out what sort of imbalances might be causing that that niggle to hang around um, especially you know if it, that's ongoing you're getting that one to three out of out of ten pain um, for that first 10 to 15 minutes and it's just the same every run could be a good idea to just make sure that that you're you've got no weaknesses um, no imbalances um, and a physio will be really able to help you through that. If it's four or more out of, out of ten on the pain scale and it disappears when you're warmed up, that's more of a problem. So um, that barrier between three and four, I, I kind of think three is um, you 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 know it's there, but it's not hugely affecting your running form. Maybe you've got a slight a slight limp to to your gait. Maybe you're slightly favouring one leg. Um, but it's not this noticeable, noticeable difference. Once you start getting up to sort of four or five, people can spot you and, and they're like, hey, is your, your Achilles feeling all right? Or, um, and you're, you're really being cautious about the way that you're, you're putting your foot down. So if it's kind of in that really cautious zone, four or more out of 10, that's when I really um, definitely recommend people get that sorted um, and back off your training a little bit. Um, Definitely, and certainly I would avoid racing, even even if it's disappearing as you're getting warmed up. It just shows there's something definitely going on. If it's a, um, a consistent pain, four or more out of ten, um, this is a, a big red sign. Don't run. <laughs> just book into your physio ASAP. Uh, get down there and get it sorted because there's some, some major issues going on. On the other hand, if it's a consistent pain, sort of in that one to three zone, um, again, it, it's a sign that there's something going on that, which needs sorting out. There's a root cause, some imbalance or weakness that needs to be sorted. Um, so again, go and see your physio, back off the, um, the volume and intensity of your training. Usually when it's hovering around that one to three zone, you can still maintain doing some sort of training. So hopefully that gives you a few ideas. So essentially, if it's one to three out of 10, think about just backing your training off a little bit, but go and get the, that physio advice. Um, prevention is always better than the cure when it comes to injury. If it's four or more, um, but it's disappearing, again, go and get some advice. Definitely back off your training. Uh, if it's four or more, but staying there when you're running, definitely don't run on that. 
take some time out and get it sorted and look to some cross-training. If um, the reason you're questioning going for a run is more to do with general fatigue and life stress and busyness and just feeling tired and run down, um, these are times when I actually think going for a run is a really good idea to squeeze that in. So getting out the door, even if it's just a 15-minute run, like don't underestimate the, the effect of a 15-minute run, maybe with a couple of bursts of faster running towards the end of that, that can be really good for your mental health, for your ability to cope with general life and the stresses that come your way. So if you're having a shower anyway, what's another 15 minutes on top of that to, for mental sanity? So give that a go. Obviously, there's sometimes in our lives when a run is just simply not possible. Um, but in general, I find a little bit of stress responds really well with the prioritizing of a little bit of exercise, getting the brain uh, freed up and getting those um, good hormones that are released when we get out and do some exercise. So happy running, everyone. Keep enjoying this beautiful country of ours. Thanks for tuning in. Once again, the Kiwi Running Show is brought to you by Tempo Fit. And next week, I promise Hamish will be in the studio with me and we'll be able to banter about all, all things running. We will see you next week. <laughs>